Okay. We are not here to have a fireside chat. Okay, so now you start. No. This one's this this interview is on you. No, it's not. It's on both of us. So thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining us. Uh, this is going to be the interview for the tech position. So I'm going to uh, <laughs> I'm going to let my uh, colleague from HR start the interview and then the we'll, 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 no, continue, we'll continue with the technical part. Yes. Now I'm going to be HR technical part in accordance to his desires. Okay, that's not going to happen. We are not here to have a job interview. We are here to discuss uh, some of the things that happened over the course of the past six, six years six years since you started uh, uh, let's say studying here with us okay first year we did not hang out all that much because uh, you were doing the, the first year courses which we were not involved with but later on we started hanging out uh, quite a bit more outside of the regular education hours as well uh, it was on top of that it was corona time as well for a couple of those years and we're gonna definitely circle back to that part of the conversation uh, because i think uh, a couple of years after that you probably have some insights into what was happening with both you and your head and your work and whatever happened the hell happened back then we do too as well we tried to make uh, a lot of changes in our education process while that was happening. So that's also, let's say, a partial topic of today's episode of that IT Show podcast. But without further ado, let's just roll the intro and then let's have a start. Okay. Start. So let's start from the beginning. Uh, where are the two other guys? Uh, they're both home, probably, hopefully, relaxing from their very stressful uh, day, st stressful stressful day and extensive day working at, uh, I think it's Deutsche Telekom. Yeah. Yes. So uh, I'm referring to the first episode that we did. Was it the first? No, that was the month? first live episode. The first live episode that we did uh, when the three of you were uh, presenting the Red Hat Architect uh, program and uh, went through the uh, all the niceties of uh, how you got along and how you how you got your education carved out for you here in algebra. But uh, from what I gather from what Vedran is trying to tell us is uh, we are here right now to try to uh, talk about the wider picture of all of this. Yeah, it's, uh, today's episode is all about you. So we are not the topic of the, of the, on the, of the conversation, just like on, on the circle of your life. We are like on that circle somewhere in some positions, uh, circle referring to time, this, this specific occasion. But you are the primary suspect. And you said you fe felt like a suspect because of the organization of the studio as well. So we might as well accommodate that feeling that you have. And on the other hand, if any of the recruiters is, are going to watch this, because they are, when they are Googling you, they're going to find this. So this is the first part of your interview that is going to be online forever. Yes. So just, just to make it clear. Uh, we are not making any kind of pressure on you. <laughs> yeah, putting in this a... reduces stress. Yes, yeah. this reduces stress. There, there, there are no uh, there are going to be no coding questions today, 
We are just going to talk about uh, how you feel. Stress, how, <laughs> I, how you I feel. Mean, I was hoping for some. No, no. You, if uh, I don't know if you are a Star Trek fan, but there's actually a scene in one of the Star Trek episodes when Spock uh, episodes f movies when Spock comes back to life and the machine when that he's using to train asks him how do you feel and he's like that's a completely illogical question. But that's what we are doing today <laughs> because we like logic. As, as much as so possible. we uh, I'm going to uh, refrain myself from mentioning avocado I'm going to Please not do. going to talk about any of the usual things that I do uh, I'm going to just start from the start and uh, let veteran do the actual introduction so we know why you came here uh, we know that you uh, got the inspiration to do things that you did with your life based on what you saw here uh because in the previous episode you were trying to make what is it five euros an hour uh to get a new mobile three phone. and a half three and a half euros an hour and then you suddenly decided to make yourself uh, the guy that you are today so an, an established uh, security expert that is doing the uh, cool and, and acronyms cool things with the uh, kubernetes openshift openstack and whatever I'm right now making things up because I actually don't know which technologies you're using on your work, but it doesn't matter since, uh, and this is not sarcasm, uh, you moved quite a lot from uh, five years ago to where we are today. And this is partly because of us and partly because of you. Uh, I'm interested in, in the you part. Mm. I know what we did, what we do. We basically try to push everybody to do their best. Uh, sometimes we fail. Sometimes we do uh, okay, sometimes we excel, and we are happy with you. So, now, without any pressure, uh, how do you feel about your path from the guy who's trying to buy a mobile phone to the guy who actually does something? It doesn't even feel like this. it was in the same life. It feels like it was some previous life, honestly, but it does feel accomplished, does feel fulfilling, which is in retrospect something that i was obviously aiming for at the time i did not notice i was like anyone who just started their career i was trying to get more and more money i mean that that's the only reason why i started working was to have money and one thing led to another i am now in a very comfortable position both financially and privately and i can lead a normal life which wasn't the case back then when I was working for as you mentioned three and a half euros an hour which is completely ridiculous when you take into account the amount and the complexity of work that I did yes and this is this is the usual uh, thing that people do with interns and what I wanted to uh, touch on is to give a wider concept because we know what we are talking about, but probably p p people who are watching this uh, don't know the whole history of this. Here in Anjabra, we have the uh, system administration, um, engineering. Enge system engineering, uh, system administration and engineering courses, and you were part of them. And when you started, you were basically a Windows guy who was trying to... Uh, no, nope. He no. was a network guy. I was a networking guy. Um, I'm, I'm trying to uh, I'm trying to avoid this, but okay, you were a networking guy. If you are proud of it, I'm super proud. Side. Actually, you need to own that. Yes, yes, you need, you need to own that because he doesn't know anything about the networking. This yeah. is the thing and that actually one of the students uh, yeah, said true. to him. One of the students said to him that he doesn't know anything about the networking. Uh, and tabula rasa. 
this is this is something that is a running joke when it comes to uh, when it comes to networking uh, courses but let's put this this aside so when we started you were here to try to get education in the system administration and you were probably thinking about networking what switched you to uh, where you are today because you went from networking to windows and then you suddenly realized that linux mm, kind of sort of makes sense so what 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 happened what was the what was the switch what was the the switch yes the networking switch <laughs> fiber channel switch um 3650 okay but uh what was the <laughs> what was the actual what was the actual reason why you switched what was the layer free switch i can tell you this the reason i sort of fell in love with networking is because it was the first time i got familiar with something that was so ridiculously complex i understood immediately that i could put my entire life into this and never know everything about it and so it's a complete rabbit hole that you can take on for decades then okay but so it's cooking it's cooking so uh everything that you uh, try to master is going to be something that you are going to never finish learning so networking was part of it but why did you switch to uh the linux first windows firstly windows uh it wasn't actually windows per se it was more or less powershell it was scripting and again i got familiar with an amazing tool that felt like programming which i did in high school just as an introduction it felt like programming but the feedback was much better when you program in high school it's usually those silly console programs with like okay you create a class of a car or a vehicle and then you learn about inheritance by creating a subclass called car and a van and a train that's a subclass of a vehicle and that's the usual example you always go through but it's not it wasn't satisfying enough for me i guess the the result of a good powershell script was a lot more satisfying to me than the result of a good program in c or c plus plus was so basically a real world implications of what the powershell actually does exactly because whatever you're doing in basic or pascal or c or c sharp or whatever is more or less usually abstract thing and then when you're doing something in PowerShell, you are doing an actual thing in the real world and you are seeing the results immediately, usually. Exactly. When you configure an entire Active Directory, <clears throat> when you configure an entire Active Directory domain using PowerShell, you can test this out. You can put it into context of a small or a large company. You can see how this thing works in, in the real world. While, although I'm still chasing that same high, I got from the first time I uh, managed to draw a house in logo. I I mean it's cool, but it's not really that applicable to anything. I think you should switch to FreeBSD and try to make it work. Mm -hmm. Maybe I should. I, I think this is this is this is the thing. <laughs> the future path. Maybe I should. Uh, so uh, so basically, what I'm getting from you is that you uh, got the drive to do things because they immediately made sense networking is for me uh too simple 
I'm not saying that networking per se is simple, but networking is uh, sort of like mathematics. Uh, switches are basically stupid. Uh, if you give them, uh, you have to give them uh, straight um, uh, directions or commands or whatever. So uh, a string of uh, things that they need to do, and they're going to do it. PowerShell is much more flexible. And it makes it, this makes it interesting. And I think that it was something else as well. I think it was, it was the larger part of the story, which oftentimes we kind of forget about in college education, the larger story of where this can be used in general, not only in, in a specific applicable case, because one of the things that both you and I actually had many discussions about, and I had that discussion with all uh, our previous students as well. Our job at hand is not only to give them the knowledge to do a PowerShell script, let's use that as a metaphor. Our uh, task is also to kind of tell them the story of why that's important. Why that's important in a larger sense. What do they get out of this? Exactly. What's, what's the payout? You it know? doesn't have to be a money payout. It has to be some form of a payout. And that's usually a huge part of why people hate mathematics. Uh, what's the one single example that uh, mathematicians or math teachers always give a practical example when explaining a concept. What is the concept and the example? I'm sure you know this. Hmm? You've been through this in high school. Hmm? Which one? Can you remember? No, honestly, no, because uh, my first interest in actually learning how mathematics works was when I was taking, uh, when I was learning orders. Orders. Yes, because this was the thing that, uh, this is the first thing in mathematics that actually made sense and became not analytics, but synthesis of something. For me, it was equations. It's actually integrals. Mm. Okay. When you learn integrals, the teacher always explains, well, we use this to calculate the area, calculate the area yeah, below the curve. Below the curve. And you immediately understand, okay, yeah, that's completely useful for people that measure land. Mm -hmm. You always have curved parts of land and you need to know how to measure their, their area. And then you realize that they're not using uh, integrals at all. Okay, they're not using <laughs> integrals per se, but you can use, it's one of the tools you can use to get that job done. Mm -hmm. Everything else, most of the time, they leave it's, it out. Yes, because they have to, because it's more or less strictly uh, abstract and there is no way to explain orders and there is no way to explain uh, exponential functions and so on because there is there uh, always is there always is but uh, when they are dealing with the uh, limited amount of knowledge that they have with the students uh, metaphors don't uh, necessarily metaphors work. don't That's work the this is the first thing because you are too young and the other thing is that uh, almost none of the teachers uh, go the extra mile to try to explain to people yeah um, uh, I'm going to put this with in the in the description uh, yesterday, I posted something about the uh, current. Uh, if you see the video about the electrons, uh, how the electrons, electrons go. Yeah. Uh, this was one of the most amazing educational videos that I have, I have ever seen. Because it covers a topic that I was learning for the last 30 odd years. Odd yeah. years. And this is the first time that somebody actually managed to explain the magic of, the the magic of electrons inside uh, uh, inside a piece of wire in a way that was completely relatable without using any different uh, any, any complex equations 
he could have uh, introduced the equations because they are equations that, uh, that are trying to explain the, how this thing works. But he was basically able to go from a single point of uh, a single uh, measuring point for the voltage to uh, describing how the uh, electrons move through the wire. And this is one of those things that I immensely like about what is happening right now in the education. Because you can always find the guy who is willing to do the extra thing to explain to you all the concepts. And the visualization of that is super important. Not only talk, 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 chat, chat. I had the privilege of having a, an amazing teacher here at Algebra reg with regards to math who actually had an example for everything. Even the most basic stuff like numbers. Like, why do we have numbering? Why would we ever need numbering? Well, the initial, we, we think, the initial reason for that was because your livestock became too, too big, right? You had too many cows, you had too many foxes or whatever, and you had to count them. Previously, you would count them using rocks or sticks or something, and then people invented numbers. Okay, Practical but, application yet again. And so this is, this is uh, where we are starting, because what we are talking about right now is the thing that I usually like the most and that I usually uh, recommend to Vedna that we need to talk about, and this is motivation. Because uh, I'm usually not interested in technology. Uh, I am the technology guy. I like the technology. But I'm always interested in trying to understand the th uh, reasoning and the motivation why people do the, uh, different things. This is the first, uh, first thing. And my personal drive is to try to understand why somebody who is uh, successful in what he do does is successful in what he does. So I'm, uh, for example, uh, right now, I think that probably one of the most influential people uh, in the whole world is Taylor Swift. Mm -hmm. I, I wouldn't say I don't like the music. I have no feelings about the music, but everything else around Taylor Swift is amazing. The, um, uh, the way the marketing is done, the way the concert is done and so on. So when I say that I'm interested in Taylor Swift, I'm not interested in the music. I'm interested in the whole thing. And the paradigm on how the business this is, is such a familiar conversation you know the algorithm conversation so so i'm i want to understand the algorithm i want to understand how this thing is done and why she is successful because the music is not that good it is i mean it's the popular markets. music yeah the markets that was but the story they, they were there were uh artists that made better music sure sure and i think that right now the algorithm is what is uh, what is interesting to me so what you're trying to uh, what we are dealing with here, you're trying to go from one side of the uh, motivation thing. I'm going to from the other side, but I'm trying to understand what motivated you after the PowerShell. So the PowerShell was complex. Uh, it had real world uh, real world implications. What then? I think that you should pause that for a second because the reason why he started doing PowerShell is also very interesting. I seem to remember that. He challenged himself to do a project for yes. one of our courses in PowerShell just because so. No, it was a joke, actually. Yeah. It started off as a joke with one of our former assistants. Mm -hmm. I said, okay, like he presented the project we had to do for that semester. 
And I was like, okay, can I just do this in PowerShell so you don't have to grade it or anything? Oh, yeah, yeah, right. Like you're going to make a PowerShell script that's going to configure everything. It was, I think the, the scope of it was like configuring an Active Directory domain. File uh, share. File NTFS, sharing. DHCP, certificates, DNS, certificates, certificates, DNS, a web DHCP. server yeah. that you have to sign with Reboot. the internal certificate and whatnot, all of that stuff. And I don't know, it's just some divine intervention. One night came upon me. I remember we were playing CSGO. I was addicted to CSGO <laughs> at that course. point. And after CSGO, I just said, Let, let's see, how, how do I even begin? Okay, but uh, from my perspective, I think the PowerShell also started as a joke. So I think that you were on the, <laughs> no, on, on the right part. Yeah. Uh, because when I was, um, I actually, since I had to explain to people what is the difference between the PowerShell and the Bash, I think the PowerShell is just uh, the way that Microsoft had to solve some problems. So they just basically improvised along. So I see that uh, starting a ridiculous project because you want to is the way to learn PowerShell. Because the PowerShell itself was a ridiculous project that started because they had to do it. Yeah, because Visual Basic just wasn't cutting it. I mean, it wasn't, and it still isn't. Yeah, I have a, this year has been a living proof for me that PowerShell is not only alive, not only alive and kicking. It's moving forward at an enormous pace in terms of acceptance. Still, Visual, fifteen years after, Visual Basic has never been closer to death, given the fact that we introduced Python in Excel. So, I mean, what are we going to use Visual but Basic officially for Officially, Visual Basic has been dead from 1997. So, uh, it's still alive it's, and kicking. It's, it's a zombie that... Keeps on giving. Keeps on giving. But uh, the way, if you remember, uh, back way then, uh, we could do inline assembly in C. I'm, I wouldn't be surprised that PowerShell is going to soon uh, have inline uh, C-sharp uh, code. That you can you could actually put in line in the PowerShell scripts directly uh, as part of the C sharp code, so that's going to be compiled. Uh, that's actually not that difficult to do already. I don't think if you can do inline code, I know that there is a way for you to call like Windows API stuff yes. from PowerShell. Yes. It's just it's a different syntax. But yes, it, but you can it, you, yeah, you, 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 you can you can basically call functions and the, uh, the functions can be compiled from C sharp. Yes, yeah, you, you can call the LLs. I mean, PowerShell right. at the end of the day is .NET. It is. Yeah. And that's why it's so cool. The reason I took it by heart that easily and that quickly was probably because it's object-oriented. Of course. Uh, Always the same old story. Through high school, as I mentioned, I learned programming by creating a vehicle class that would then be inherited into a car class <laughs> that would then be inherited into, I don't know, a Ford class of Volkswagen class and the and color whatnot. and the engine and the this and that and which the was same, immensely boring. the same boring example that you go every time you like take up a new programming language and so, I mean yeah so now you have a user object that suddenly becomes uh, an individual user and then group object that becomes a group honestly right now that's completely useless for me I have no idea why would why did we ever come up with object oriented programming? It doesn't make any sense to me anymore. Why? I don't know. I I I reason functionally, I think functionally, and I 
architect my systems functionally. Everything is based around functions. I understand you. No, 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 we'll read you. Because no. data goes through functions. Uh, uh, so you became aware of the matrix of the, you called it functions, I called it procedural IT. Procedural. Okay, yeah. yeah. That's. I guess that's the same thing. Because having data as your center point of every system, although possible, obviously we've been building object-oriented platforms for decades now, to me, doesn't make sense anymore. What does make sense is having procedures as your center point of each system, right? That data goes through. Mm -hmm. So it becomes valuable. It becomes valuable. You add value onto your data. And the only concept of formulating data in a specific way that you will probably ever need is custom types. Mm -hmm. okay. Yes. Sounds reasonable. And the thing is that uh, probably the reason, the main reason that we are not dealing with uh, objects when we are thinking about how to program is that we as people do things. We don't structure things. We do things. We're trying to do something. A structure is the result of doing, but we are not structuring because we need to do. We do and then we create a structure. And so I think this is the reason why objects by themselves are just an abstract thing that works, but more or less doesn't make sense for, my, for most people. I, I don't have any problems with objects, but I see that they are so limited in scope, uh, precisely when it, goes to, when, it, when it comes to Active Directory, because in Active Directory you don't have that many uh, different types of classes. You have some classes, but there's you don't need anymore that's you, the, you, that's you, you don't need uh, more you need, don't need uh, more than what a couple of dozen classes and so that's it yeah. and then this becomes a burden it would be much easier to just skip the whole classes thing and uh, do it in, in a different way and I think that this is the reason why LDAP is uh, staying the same for the last 30 years because they reached the peak uh, usage of classes and now they can, what they can do is just, they can just uh, discuss what attributes they're going to use, and that's it. And we're afraid to change it because it'll break everything. Yes, because I, we I, still I, don't understand. And how I think it that works. people should be afraid of classes. This is this, <laughs> is, this, is, this is completely normal. <laughs> and also LDAP. Uh, yes, LDAP yeah, by extension. By extension. Uh, LDAP mm -hmm. and Perl. Is, this is like magic. Uh, this this should be this should be touched. There are people who know it or claim to know it, and that's it. I have a PowerShell class yet again this week, and I have nine people from a certain bank, a big one, and we touched upon the topic of parallelism in IT, specifically in PowerShell. So I had to give them a sad story about the reality of that if they don't want to want to. I mean, it's stuff. a short story. It's a very short. Don't do it. Let's go. It, it doesn't even work properly. Yeah. It's not meant to be used in parallel, but if you really need something done in parallel and you're using PowerShell, probably not using the right tool for the job. Yep. Or you true. completely missed the point and you're not doing the job that you should be doing. Uh, the only thing that is worse than, than parallelism in, uh, in PowerShell would be recursion. Recursion in, in general? PowerShell. No, in PowerShell. You can, you, you can do it if you need to, but you shouldn't ever uh, come to a point where you need to do it. Yeah, I mean, that's like hammering down a nail with 
Just like a bulldozer. A bulldozer. With a bulldozer, yeah. something like yeah, that. That's good. Okay, so we exhausted the topic of PowerShell for the time being. So it was networking, then it became a little bit of Windows mixed with PowerShell, and then... Then, then he gave up on uh, objects, and this is the logical step before you go into Bash. Actually, objects were later. I gave up on objects far in the future, but I remember a certain professor... Your faith, your faith was... Uh... Uh, written started, uh, in the stone. starting to get wobbly when it comes to objects. It, so it, you started it, experimenting with the different uh, drugs like Bash, like uh, Z Shell, uh, scripting, Linux, and so on. That's right. And I r still remember remember precisely one sentence from my dear professor. This was I was peak PowerShell commitment. Uh, Windows is the greatest thing ever to happen to hum humanity. Like Microsoft is the greatest company ever, uh, like completely frozen face, said something along the lines of, I hope that you're aware that your future is in Linux, not on Windows. Like you have to remember, I didn't know anything about Linux at the moment and I was peak Microsoft head. And he just blatantly like, I hope you understand that your future is in Linux. But yeah, this, in front of everybody else, in front of but the this whole is class. Not, but I'm, I'm uh, as a person who has seen this a couple of times being done by him, and I did it a couple of times. Uh, people usually, uh, or, or I usually consider Windows as a kindergarten. You uh, start to learn Stepping how operating systems. Stepping stone system. to growing up. So you need to learn how operating systems work. Then you take uh, Windows. Uh, you try to learn how they work. And then you graduate to an actual operating system, like Linux. And this is what has happened to almost exclusively everybody that I know that uh, switched to Linux. And this is what is happening to Microsoft now. It's actually a part of the Phoenix story, if you know the metaphor of a Phoenix from back, back way then. You learn something, then you crash it all to, uh, to the smallest pieces, then you start relearning a couple of times, and then you get to certain conclusions. That's exactly what happened to you. It is. I was just a sledgehammer, nothing else. So, you were peak Windows guy. Then what? Then he uh, said my prophecy. Okay. But then, why did you follow it? I don't know. <laughs> That's <laughs> to, to still this, to this very day, he doesn't this, know why he... It, it was, again, a divine intervention. No, it was so a leap of faith. CSGO, CSGO, and then? It wasn't. It was a leap of faith. That's it, what it's called. It was, yeah, it was probably a leap of faith. I mean, to be honest, it was more... A combination of different situations that I was in, uh, work-related, and three and a half euros work-related. Three and a half euros work-related. And you had me, you had me as your assistant with on the exercises. So I also did uh, did the thing on you with Linux, because I was always trying to I was always trying to explain why Linux is better than the, win the Windows. I'd rather not recall those times. It was very stressful it's for very, me. <laughs> it's very, very fun for us. It was very stressful for me to attend each labs because of you. But because he was trolling you constantly. Constantly. Yeah, he's good at that. From, from the very beginning to, to the very end. But it's it was a, fun. It's, it's a, it's a uh, let's say, some kind of a prearranged, no, no discussion routine of good cup, bad cup between us. That's always been happening. There, there, in this no. case, it was bad cup. Bad cup. <laughs> it but was bad cup. Uh, still, the, the, the problem still is the same that thing. When, when it comes to dealing with Windows, there are no good cups. Come on. Uh, stop. 
Stop trolling. He is the topic, not no, you. No, no, no. But the, what, what I wanted to say is that uh, uh, I always try to make a point of trying to push people uh, into the non-comfort zone when it comes to something, mm -hmm. uh, but not too much. Uh, yeah, I'm the opposite. Uh, Rip he, the bandaid right he, now. He's, he's, the, he's the one who's, go, who's going to be, uh, who's going to try to be uh, exactly the opposite. Much less subtle. On the other hand, uh, just as a side point, and I'm trying now trying to uh, going to say something that is completely unrelated to both of you. I had uh, exercises this year when I was giving an example of how authorization works in the in a hospital environment and when, whatnot, and I actually made uh, a person from my uh, group sick because she had a problem with uh, talking about blood and talking about uh, hospitals. And for some reason, my example triggered uh, triggered her to just- uh, Almost say, traumatic experience. Uh, uh, almost traumatic experience. And I said, okay, I should be paying more attention when I'm talking to students because sometimes they're triggered by things that are normal and uh, normal usage cases or normal scenarios for me as a system administrator. And this is one of those things that you need to pay attention to. Well, that means your storytelling must be really good then, if you can trigger Mike, someone. Unfortunately, unfortunately really. yes. Unfortunately, yes. Yeah. In this particular case, yes. Yeah. He has a lot of experience with those because he worked for various types of hospitals for better part of two decades. Uh, I had a, I had a pro, I had a different uh, experiences with different uh, types of uh, industries, not only hospitals. I did. Uh, I was working in the hospitals. I was working with the entertainment industry. I was working with the um, uh, uh, financial industry for for a while. So I had experiences across the industries. And what I'm going to say is that we are all lucky to be alive. Because when it comes to uh, <laughs> low-level administration, they're all the same. Crappy and uh, a small bunch of talented people is keeping every, everybody alive when it comes to finance, when it comes to telecommunication, when it comes to uh, hospitals, when it comes to anything. It's always the same story. It is. I, every time I hear like some older story, especially from finance, it all, I, I get goosebumps all over my body because you always hear like, yeah, that's, you see that system, that core of the entire world's financial system, it's written in a programming language whose native programmers either don't really exist anymore or at best case scenario, they're retired. And there was a, there was a Reddit thread that was mentioning a, a guy who said that the most important piece of software that he ever wrote as a developer was when he was an intern in a bank because his software was supposed to be a test software for something, so a test module for something, and became the cornerstone of some stock manipulation data thing. <laughs> and this was done as a thing that he did in two weeks, and then he left. And then he realized 10 years later that his software is still running on the mainframe and is still being used in production. And then Sounds he familiar, huh? And then he said, this is the thing that I'm both uh, amazingly proud of and amazingly scared of <laughs> because this is a crappy software and the, but it just came to be they said okay we are going to use it and as the saying goes uh, when it's in production you don't change it yeah rightfully so <laughs> yes so <laughs> we agree on this okay okay networking windows powershell linux we are at linux we are at linux
what happened is through RHCSA, so the Red Hat Certified System, System Administrator certification that I had the ability to acquire through our college. Uh, one thing led to another. I got into a position at IBM working as a Linux system administrator, which is, I think it was barely a year after you uh, spoke my prophecy about my future as a Linux admin. And it was barely a year after that I got a job as a, as a Linux admin. And I spent uh, not even two years at IBM working as a Linux admin. With some of my previous students. With, with a few of our previous students as well. And it was the greatest time ever. I learned so much. I was on a huge project. I had incredible senior engineers with my, in my team. I learned a lot from them. I learned a lot about huge scale projects. It was really something else. It was a completely 180 degree turn from everything I knew before. Because when I was like a Windows admin or administering primarily Microsoft Microsoft products, I was always dealing with end clients. And for people that aren't in IT, uh, you never want to deal with end clients. Because it's, for some reason, we can't understand what end clients want. And for some reason, they can never really explain what they want to us. It's a meta-language difference. It's I, I ran, run into that every single day. And it's so frustrating because you know it's happening and you can't fix it a lot mm -hmm. of times. And it's not that the the person doesn't like you or you, you don't like them. It's just you are completely wired in different ways and you can't come to even terms on anything. Mm -hmm. And when I got to administering Linux... I was, for the first time, my end clients, my end users, were other engineers, other admins. And, and, and it, they spoke the language. They spoke the language, and it sped up my processes. It sped up everyone else's processes. And it was incredibly fun, because for the first time, there were no communication blockers in my work. For the first time, I was able to concentrate on work and not on communication. So basically, pure technology without uh, limits that uh, are just artificial things stemming from the fact that users don't understand the technology. Yes. I mean, that sounds harsh, but it isn't. It's, it's just... No, it's realistic. I, it's realistic. I, I, I think it's... it's Statistics uh, point to that. But I have a, um, I'm, going to, I'm going to go on attention to, uh, again. And I'm going to say this. Uh, I had a talk with a very senior developer uh, a couple of weeks ago. He works at the company that I uh, sometimes work for. And the biggest problem that he has right now is to try to grasp what technologies uh, emerged on the, on the market in the last five years. Because what he did was he did a project that lasted five years and he was stuck in a loop of a different a loop, a set of different technologies that were given to him. He had to do it in those technologies. He didn't follow anything that was happening on the market because he was stuck in the in the particular set of tools and particular set of the tool sets that he needed to use. And right now he has a huge problem with uh, getting into terms with new technology. 
and trying to make things work the way they should work when it comes to today's tool sets, today's uh, stacks and so on. Because he doesn't understand what is happening on the market. And he's a very senior engineer. And I see this as a big problem because he suddenly became a user. He suddenly became somebody who is, I wouldn't say against new technology, but he doesn't understand the technology because he doesn't understand what is what was happening. Yeah, the last five years were incredibly fast and it, it actually sped up with obviously AI, but depending on the like projects he was working on, if you're if we're talking about web development, in the last five years it completely went upside down, and for for like a few months it seemed like every week there was a new framework or a new major version, major release of already an established framework, and people just couldn't keep up with it. My personal feeling is that we should be burning the frameworks that we have right now to the ground and just start from the beginning. But this is just me, because I'm uh, sick. He is the revolutionary among us. In this particular case, I'm not talking about revolution. I'm talking about complete, complete nihilism. Because what, what, what I want to <laughs> do better. is, uh, what, what I'm scared of is that people are uh, stuck in different parts of those last five years and they're uh, pick, uh, picking uh, different technologies in the last five years without any regards of what was happening uh, after or before that. So suddenly you have a bunch of developers that are stuck in some part of the cycle and they don't uh, invest enough uh, time and money into learning what is, what is happening uh, after that. So they are unable to keep up especially with, uh, with uh, 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 microservices containers. Okay. Because they don't understand how to, how to deal with those. Okay, so going back to the original track, six times <laughs> in a row. Uh, so it was networking, then it was Windows, PowerShell, Linux, or it's a Red Hat system, a certified system administrator started working for IBM. And apart from the projects and the stuff that you described, it was also one other thing that IBM offered you if I recall correctly. That's correct. So it give, was, us, give us a story about that. Uh, the platform is called uh, Red Hat Learning subscription. Mm -hmm. uh, Red Hat Learning, yeah. It's an incredible platform on which you, could, you can access the entirety of uh, Red Hat's knowledge base, as well as their uh, exams courses. and courses, right? You can uh, read up on courses, you can do labs, actual practical labs, you can spin up your own machines in cloud and do practical uh, guided exercises and uh, labs to prepare for those exams, right? And there's obviously different levels of subscriptions, you get different parts of everything in a different one, but the one I had uh, contained, I think it was uh, five courses you can do five courses over the span of one year, five courses, uh, five exams, I should say, with two retakes, mm -hmm. right? And the first year, I had it for, for two years. The first year, I completely wasted it. I didn't do a single thing. And then... In your typical fashion. In my typical fashion, just as I would mm -hmm. normally. Mm -hmm. uh, year two rolls out, and I realize, like... My God, I, I, I can do so much with this. I can become an architect just using this single piece of incredible source of knowledge, whatever. And one by one, 
I first got, as you have to, I first got the RHCE, the Certified Engineer Certificate. And then I went on the longest journey I ever took. It was about a year and a half. Rampage. Rampage. Uh, OCD, complete focus on Red Hat and their learning. And it was both incredible and exhausting at the same time. But it, each exam took me just long enough for me not to burn out and to get that incredible reward when you see result uh, pass in your email as a result for, there for was the little, exam. There was a little bit of colleague bickering as well and a little bit of internal a competition lot of, too. A lot of it, yeah. a lot of it, which I'm forever grateful. Mm -hmm. uh, two of my colleagues took the same path and it, although we never mentioned it, obviously it was a race who's going to be there first. And in my defense, I was the last one to get it, but it doesn't matter. Nobody uh, cares. In the end, no one cares about, uh, un apart from the three of us. And today, all three of us are certified architects. And when do you need to recertify? Next year. Uh, I think the first one uh, expires in May. But uh, <laughs> here comes the circle. <laughs> Welcome to hell. You know, it, it's... I don't think it's worth it anymore. It, it would be worth it if I had a different job from what I did now. If I was focusing on those technologies, it would probably probably be worth it. If I was working for like a integrator company, then it would definitely be worth my time. But now I, I'd rather focus on the domain knowledge of, of my current work than spend another what, 300 hours I think I spent, or even more, it was like 500 hours. You know that this is a low ballpark number for a single course that some people spend. I know. Well, it's actually, there's a metaphor there that you fail to understand because uh, this is the, the thing that we need to explain to you because you cannot put it into words, but you can feel it. Uh, it's just like with certain people and let's say drawing or certain people and music, or certain people in writing. They're just able to do it. Some people just take a little bit of jump leads, you know, with a car battery to, to jumpstart their, uh, let's say, journey towards something. And then it just snowballs down the hill. And that hill is quite, you know, high and quite steep. That's exactly what happened to you. You started with a little bit of something, then you added a little bit more of something, then it was a year and a half of um, doing nothing, as you would. And then you figured out that you have actual value out of the free subscription that you got, which you actually had to fight for as well with your managers and uh, you know uh, their managers and whatnot. And then it snowballed into the first exam. Then fast after, quickly after that, it was the second, and the third, and the fourth. That's the that's the uh, metaphor that I oftentimes use. The algorithm is behind that, and your algorithm actually got upgraded to that snowball effect, which kind of compounds with time, uh, because you had a purpose, you had a goal, you had a goal that you wanted to achieve. But I just want to just say one more thing. Uh, there is a way to overdo it. There is. Uh, when I was when I was taking the uh, trainer's exam, uh, there was a guy who was holding eighteen different certifications at the same time. Mm -hmm. And what he did, what he said, is that uh, his main problem is that he gets to recertify something every three weeks. 
So basically, he's alternating between teaching and then recertifying. Oh, he's the examiner as well. Uh, no, he's actually he was actually the, just a trainer. He if he was an examiner, he wouldn't have to recertify all the time. So much. he will, he needed to recertify a lot of a lot of the uh, exams because once you uh, get into uh, dealing with exams, suddenly those three years that your exam uh, lasts. It's two years. Uh, two years or three years, depending on the exam. But suddenly, it just becomes a couple of weeks because the next before the next exam uh, expires. That's right. Yeah. And he wanted he wanted to be uh, be uh, up to date on his um, exams because he wanted to do the teaching. He was doing the teaching basically in the states, and he was doing a lot of work. And uh, when we were doing the uh, teaching exams, so the the uh, teachers uh, course, he was doing it from his home office. Uh, in a local time was something like three o'clock in the morning. So from three o'clock to seven o'clock in the morning, because he had another lecture that he had to, or deliver. another course that he had to deliver at eight o'clock. Perfect. So he was doing something from three to seven, so that he can he can have a shower and then do the delivery for the for a different course during the day. Love it, especially if it's like J Boss or something. Uh, yes, super lady, simple. Yes, because you suddenly uh, run out of uh, normal regular things uh, to of course. study, and it, sooner or later it becomes like. SC Linux and JBoss and stuff that completely splits your brain in half. You suddenly become a developer, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're semi on the path to doing that, by the way. I guess so. The, the DevOps. You just dev So now let's ops. let's stop talking about him. Let's talk let's start talking about the technology itself. Because I want We're to We're going ask to circle back to him, which you keep on trying to do, and I said the episode is about him. So, but the episode is about him because uh, he has a brain that they want to pick, and his brain is the uh, the brain that uh, uh, has certain things that they want to know. Uh, where do you think that the boundary between a developer and the system administrator is right now? So we are talking about DevOps. Where is the ops stopping and Dev starting, or vice versa? And which one is bigger? <laughs> Depends on the project and the company. Okay. Uh, the boundary depends on the project and the company. And the role depends on the project and the company. And which one is bigger? Depends. It's, I so know. So currently for you, are you more of a developer or more of an ops guy? I'm almost exclusively an ops guy. Okay. Right now. Right now. And do you think that you're going to become a developer? I don't see myself going deep down that rabbit hole, but you never know. I said I wouldn't be a lot of things that I became. So how deep are you in programming in, uh, I don't know, uh, Python, uh, Python uh, Ansible, Ansible? Uh... No, he's JavaScripting. You just mentioned the two tech stacks that we use currently. So it's Python with Flask and Ansible as for infrastructure as code. So basically, you classify as a regular uh, run-of-the-mill developer for the web when it comes to the web development. I can do simple functions. I'm, I can do complex functions, but their their performance will be really bad. I can do complex stuff with complete complex data structures really poorly. 
So you're a web developer now. I'm a web developer. Yes. You're a fully fledged poor web developer. <laughs> poor web developer. That's good. All the web and I'm fine with that. No. I'm fine with that. There are special, especially senior developers that really understand data, that really understand memory, that really understand uh, process clocks and stuff like that. And you don't. And I don't. And for I don't see myself studying that in the foreseeable future. So he future. has a uh, when, he, when is his graduate defense in ten days? I you're, you're failing. Uh, I I see you I see you in five years. Uh, don't do wh- not say that. No, while we were joking about this being an interview for the job, and you said uh, where do you see yourself in five years? I see that you are going to do the full circle and do the SDN and uh, do the network programming uh, f- for development of uh, software networking. And this this is API not programming. and I'm not I'm not joking. This is that something that could happen to you. No, he's not. It might. <laughs> it might. Nope. I I really hope it doesn't. Because I don't know. I feel comfortable where I am right now. I already mentioned through high school, I spent most of my free time programming and doing simple programs in all the different programming languages I could ever find. But right now, I know enough programming to understand what I'm reading. I can write simple programs that, again, work poorly, but they do their job. And I am really comfortable working in infrastructure. Right. I, I most of my knowledge comes from infrastructure, from the ops part of DevOps. And that's why that this is the absolute yes, but perfect do you, position. Do you for like me. being comfortable? I do. Don't you? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Because everything that you did was uh up until now was basically challenging yourself not to be in a comfortable spot. You were just moving from one a comfortable spot to another spot that is not going to be comfortable unless you do something. So I don't think that you like being comfortable. Uh, nobody nobody uh, is going to change from uh, networking. Uh, there are a lot of people out there, out there who are going to be just completely fine with uh, being able to configure a router too. Uh, understand what Cisco is trying to uh, peddle to their uh, customers right now. And then say, okay, this is enough for me. I'm going, just going to be a senior networking guy and uh, whatever. Uh, push a couple of cables and then do nothing. And you are not that kind of guy. No. And then going to Windows, you are also not that kind of guy. Because it's too simple. Windows is too simple. When it comes to Active Directory, it actually is too simple. Uh, Active Directory is complex when it comes to creating rules, uh, over rules, over rules, over rules, and so on. But in its essence, Active Directory is simple. Linux is more complex. Ansible is even more complex. So I think that you're just challenging yourself. I would heavily disagree with that. For me, Linux is way simpler. Because I can actually understand it. That's the reason why. But the the Linux is simple in the way that mathematics is simple. Yeah. I can uh, understand that because for me mathematics is simple. It's presentation. It's exactly that. I would call I would call Linux would be mathematics and Windows would be economics. Nobody actually understands how economics <laughs> works. Yeah. And they are trying different things Everybody and then presumes. So uh, some version of Windows works. Nobody knows why. Then they create another version of Windows that doesn't work. Then they tweak 
and they do something, then another version works, and so on and so on. And Which so on. version of Windows are you installing currently on one of our systems? Uh, Windows 11. No, 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 on one of our systems, which is currently housed in our. I'm I'm Office. right now working on uh, NT 3.5 on Alpha uh, because he wanted me to install it and then I we're having so much fun and I said I said that I wouldn't do it uh, he was trying to push me for the last uh, two months or so mm -hmm. and then I actually uh, opened the machine and started fixing it and he went down the rabbit hole so now I'm just uh, waiting some some parts for the Alpha uh, the digital Alpha. Some parts to be delivered, and I'm waiting for them to swap out some parts that I have in the lab because I want uh, this thing to work. Yeah, we're uh, we are uh, doing something with it because we want to go back to software that works. That's horrible. Yes, it's I know. not. Yes, I know. I, I'm completely fine with horrible. In my, uh, in my uh, one of my hobbies is uh, being a ham radio operator. It's even more. Uh, that's, no, no, he likes chaos. That's it. That, that's even worse. That's even worse. Yes, but once, you gotta have a hobby. Once, once you come over, uh, when once you go over, uh, having to talk to your neighbors, uh, why did you uh, switch on and off all the electrical equipment that they have in their house? <laughs> Simply because you just pressed uh, send on your uh, ham radio. Uh, ham radio. It, beca it becomes a, a hobby that keeps on giving. The only the only hobby that is worse than this is flying uh, model helicopters. <laughs> uh, do, do you know anybody who's uh, 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 does anybody of you know anybody who's flying uh, hobby helicopters? Nope, I know guys who are flying drones. That's no, no, no. Drones are different because yeah. drones don't don't crash. Uh, hobby helicopters. When it comes to old style helicopters, they have, they have to keep uh, under control all the time. RC helicopters. RC helicopters, yes. So basically, you have to keep them under control all the time. And uh, the guy I was talking about, uh, talking to, who is doing this for the last 20 years or so, said that from the all the time that he spent flying his helicopters, he can, for every hour of work on the helicopter, he gets two minutes of flight time. Worth it. Uh, two minutes of flight, flight time, everything else is maintenance and trying to fix things that he broke. That's so, horrible. <laughs> so this is a horrible hobby, yes. Uh, trying to fix Alpha is also a horrible, horrible thing. But It kind of works. And my plan is to create an active directory on it. Or it's not an active directory, but it's going to be a primary domain controller on it so that I can do the NT4 uh, style, uh, style domain and try to get it working i'm not completely sure how i'm going to do it but i'm going to try to do it you can write a medium.com article about that yes but i first need to do uh, to find a way to make it work right now i'm stuck at that's boot what, because that's I, what the podcast is all about i have a smallish problem with uh, scuzzy discs that are uh, 30 years old and they're they not booting this is the one thing and the other thing that uh, some of the things that uh, the manual says to do are completely illogical. The worst part about what you just said is the fact that I know you're not thinking about iSCSI discs. Yep. It's actual SCSI discs. Yes, 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 What's yes. Dual bus, dual bus uh, SCSI discs. 
I'm uh, I'm dealing with terminators. I'm dealing with uh, uh, SCSI IDs. Uh, IDs uh, they are mechanical IDs, so I need to actually put the, put the jumpers to uh, 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 set the IDs and so on and so on. That's that's for us. That's IT. I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting for on a SCSI cable uh, to daisy change the, the the drives. I mean, why do you look so surprised? But it's it's just it's just a thing. Let, let's ignore this. Let's talk about you. <laughs> sure. For a change. For a change. For a change, yes. Okay, so IBM, Red Hat Certified Architect. You also then signed into our graduate program, which was That's basically right. roughly around the same time when you achieved certificate plus minus. Uh, not everything in life is measured by when you signed in for something, so I'm aware of that. Sp you've spent the past two years and... Uh, a little bit more basically finishing the second part of your college education which is going to be uh, 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 let's say uh, which is going to reach its natural conclusion in a couple of weeks which is going to be you failing of course as we know and you know watching all of that happen as a par partially bad partially good partially comedic partially sad rom-com movie ahead of us without having access to a lot of popcorn uh, from my perspective has been immensely let's say uh, not only interesting interesting is the wrong word it's been really rewarding actually to watch all of that happen because at times we wanted to you know break your face humans human talk not professor student talk at times we just wanted to you know tell you stuff that you don't want to hear, which we did often, especially him. At times we just wanted to kind of encourage you to do shit, which you most of the time after the initial introduction actually did with no hesitation or additional questions to your credit. Again, leap of faith. What's next? Next. I want to stay a part of this, this thing here, whatever whether, whether this and thing are whatever this and thing are i want to stay at this college for as long as i can for as long as you'll have me in whichever role is possible and needs to be filled because i love everything about this i love the the ambience i love the 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 people i like the building like just being here feels comfortable feels nice and hopefully i'll I'll manage to do it. Uh, okay. Because of the fact that you're going to fail the examination let's, in two weeks. No, of course. Let's keep his trolling uh, at bay and just say one thing. Do you do realize that once you pass the uh, examination for the uh, teacher, so teacher's examination for the Red Hat, that you are going to have to uh, recertify everything that you have did, done, done to this point. I look forward to it. <laughs> then it's going to actually make sense. It's going to make sense and it'll be valuable. So I'm I'm just going to go on a limb here and I say that I'm willing to spend some money to uh, with you mm -hmm. to pay for him to finish the certification for the teacher. So that you don't have to. No, no. So so he has to recertify everything. Oh, else. you want to watch the movie again? <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, I agree with you. Another we want to have the popcorn and, and the movie. When you mentioned when you mentioned the rom com, I was just yeah. thinking about you got mail. You got mail. That's exactly <laughs> that. Yeah. Or no, he's going to be the mixture of you've got mail and sleepless in Seattle. 
that's what's going to happen. The best part about it is some of the exams I I took, some of the certifications I have are now discontinued. So I have to <laughs> Yes. I have, you, you learn new stuff. I have to learn new stuff like virtualization. Yeah, I don't think no it's more. no longer a thing. Yeah. It's uh, containers were previously two separate exams. Now it's only one single exam. Oh my God. I, I have other news for you, but uh, unofficially, just just going to tell you that the exam that I had to, ta to take and the exam that he had to take were different probably in one order of magnitude uh, when it comes to complexity. Uh, that's the same exam, CE. So, oh, the engineer, it yeah. is. Yeah. Yes, because the uh, what they are doing right now is I, I like what they are doing right now because they are uh, making the uh, end result much 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 uh, uh, harder to pass, but they are creating an environment where you can actually depend on the exam that is going to be much better than it was before, and it was a great exam before. Uh, basically, what they are doing is the, the exactly the opposite of what Microsoft is doing. Okay, that, that is good. They've been doing that for years now, but I agree. I think this makes more sense. I also took the newer version of the certified engineer exam, the Ansible one, and it was fine. It was okay. You think that that exam is more difficult than the older versions with, no, with, no, no. It, with it's, services? Or? It's simpler. It's easier. But it makes more sense. If you start from zero, it is. If you start from our standpoint, as people who used to do service configuration manually, then I don't think the Ansible exam is uh, any easier than the old one. But I do think I have a little bit of a more experience in this to say it out loud. I don't know, of course, I can't go into the details for obvious reasons. But if you start from scratch, the, the, the path that Red Hat has right now is definitely a little bit easier. Because those service-based exams of the past they were quite a bit more complex than the stuff that we have to do. Actually, to that point, the system administrator exam, which used to be a technician exam in the good old days, that exam became indescribably simpler with time. Because the, the, the what used to be the technician slash system administrator exam in the older versions was much more difficult than the one we have now. It was only troubleshooting back then. Installation from scratch, troubleshooting of services, all of that was already present. Yeah, now there. it's the basic setup of like yeah. users, directories. and the, the, the only, let's say, more complex task in the exams nowadays, you can read about that on Red Hat's website. There is an exam blueprint, so we can discuss that. And it's a part of the courses that lead to the exam. The only, let's say, a little bit more of a challenging part for, let's say, us is the container part of Podman. Everything else is super straightforward. And I think that uh, the biggest problem that when, that you have when you're dealing with Ansible right now, and I'm not talking about only the Red Hat exam, but in general, is because uh, is if you learned Ansible when it came out, and when you try to switch to the current version of Ansible, how the uh, Ansible is looking right now, it's difficult if you don't have continuous uh, experience uh, running the Ansible uh, environment. They did the typical Red Hat thing. They did this with OpenShift as well, uh, major version three, where they took a project that was basically open source and they realized, oh, hey, we need to throw a bunch of new features on, on top of this. And they had a new minor release every two weeks. 
it like you can't sustain that model forever obviously OpenStack is even worse example OpenStack is even worse yeah by the time they got to OpenShift version 4 major version 4 they kind of got to their senses and now it's a more regular healthier uh, release cycle than it was before. Yes, the but, same thing would ha happen with Ansible. Yes, but I think that the thing is that if you are trying to uh, pass Ansible testing and you are not day-to-day uh, -day, uh, in the business of running Ansible scripts and you are not current with updating the scripts that you are, uh, you are going to uh, have a much, much, much uh, uh, harder time to try to pass it. But it's the same with all the other technologies. As we said, in the last five years, everything changed. We were doing, uh, we were experimenting with Ovid. Ovid should be simple. Mm -hmm. uh, apart from the fact that it doesn't work properly. Uh, part of the, okay, it's, it's, it's just... Uh, it's picky. It's Very. picky about his friends and he doesn't like to talk to anybody. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, but the, but this, the, the, the thing is that uh, I've, I've been dealing with the Ovid for the last five, five years, years yeah. six years or so. Uh, it used to be a pain to put up, but then it worked. Now it's amazingly simple, simple to put up. And quick, actually. And Fast. then you realize that a bunch of services don't work as they should be working. And then you start to debug ad infinitum, basically. You continuously mm -hmm. need to debug the thing because they're trying to push uh, parts of the OpenStack into Ovid. Yeah. They're not, uh, they not even trying to hide it. So the scene that is moving to over, that's it. Uh, is it containerized? Uh, the sort of kind of, yes, more the, the right now, there are different ways to do it, but yes. Uh, but the thing is that you don't care anymore about the installation because back way then it, you, you, uh, you needed to care about the installation because the installation was the hard part. Now the administration is the hard part and the uh, installation is simple. Yeah, sh it should be the other way around. It should. Yes. Maintenance should be relatively easy. It, in IT, it's not. But it, in IT, it's not. Lifecycle management is I'm the worst part. I'm just going to say that uh, what I really, 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 really hated, and I'm still hating it, in the official documentation, first, documentation is not up to date. Uh, and the other thing is that uh, the thing that is the, probably the biggest pain in the ass that I have ever seen in, uh, in any documentation is... Uh, the uh, thing when they say that uh, you have to keep the certificates uh, up to date because if you they made some changes to that by the way you yes yes that. but in the official documentation they say that if you manage to uh, uh, let the, the certificates on the nodes expire it's much easier to just wipe the node and uh, reinstall it because uh, it, it says that the um, trying to reconstruct the certificates model is prone to errors and difficult to do. So this is the official documentation. We like that. So they, they are telling you that if you are installing uh, Ovid, if you are not paying attention, your certificates are going to be the problem that you're going to be facing in a year or two. So what they did is they basically, uh, on installation, they uh, extended the uh, time the certificate is valid so that you have the time to change How it. Long? And to, I think right now it's three years. It used to be a year. Or it used to be more than a year, something like 380-something odd days before the certificate is expired. And now I think it's three years. For some reason. The, the initial OpenShift certificates only last a day. 
and you have to confirm them, approve them, and then they last for a year, I think. Yes. Because okay. the way it's, that's the way to do IT. Uh, I mean, they're self-signed anyway. Mm -hmm. So who cares? Like, mm -hmm. made them 10 years. Why not? What's the difference? The only reason they put self-signed certificates is so they, they can claim, yeah, it's all encrypted. It's encrypted data. Mm -hmm. So what? Uh, I'm just I'm just going to go with... Uh... I think the overt is the thing that right now is going through uh, so many changes that nobody knows what's going to happen next. And the reason is because they're trying to uh, make overt a subset of uh, OpenStack. Uh, Open mm -hmm. And they're doing, they're basically creating a subset that is going to be just a simpler OpenStack with uh, most of the services uh, uh, not present there but the uh, relationship between the service is going to be, uh, be be there. So you're going to be, and uh, you're going to end up with a subset of services and that's it. Some of them do make sense. Cinder, yes. Cinder does make sense, yes. realistically, but Neutron, God forbid. But why? We want to have SDN on but virtualization. But we don't need SDN on of virtualization. <laughs> completely beside the point but i think that uh, running uh openstack in such a way that you install openstack then install openshift on it and then installing openstack on the on top of it and then calling it under uh, under cloud over cloud and Semi -cloud, then cloud hinder and then, cloud. then uh, uh, uh telling everybody that this is the simplest way to run the run the thing and the most efficient and the most efficient way and then people ask me why i prefer vmware solution and then you uh, for some reason or the other uh log into node and uh, list all the network adapters to see what is happening in the network side has like 950 <laughs> yes <laughs> there is pages and pages and pages of bridges of bridges <laughs> different vlans vx lands yeah yes and so i so then suddenly realize okay i have absolutely no idea how this uh, stuff works yeah it's just like spinning up a computer i mean we can sort of understand how a simple computer works but you don't understand every part of it you don't understand every piece, every solution to every problem they had in a graphics card, but you can understand it. This you cannot. Uh, I was talking. I was talking to a guy because uh, uh, because I, as, as he said, I'm into the rabbit hole about uh, Alpha, and uh, I'm trying to find some parts. And I was trying to talking to a guy here who is a retired uh, electrical engineer who was doing basically discrete electronics for the, his whole lifetime. And he said that he has come to a point uh, when he was starting uh, his career, the idea of him putting a computer together was something that was completely out of the, out of the idea. So he was, wouldn't be able to put the computer together. Uh, he said that the uh, technology changed so much that putting the computer that was complex way back then is something that he could do right now in probably in, uh, uh, under an hour. Uh, with everything being uh, just set up. Because he said that the technology itself is so complex with the computers that we have right now, that creating a computer from uh, 30 years ago is just uh, more or less just uh, getting the Legos together and just putting different blocks uh, together and connecting them. He wouldn't be able to do anything about the computers today. And I think this is the thing that is we're waiting for us. AI is not going to make things uh, easier. AI is going to just uh, obscure the things that we are doing. We are just going to run uh, run into uh, playbooks that are going to be written by AI, and they're going to be written badly. 
Probably. And hopefully won't make up their own uh, module names, like <laughs> ChatGPT. Yes. ChatGPT actually made up, on different, a few different occasions, made up an entire modules and their <laughs> properties. I was looking for a way to automate a network manager CLI, the mm -hmm. NMCLI with Ansible. It completely made up properties that never existed. But uh, did they make sense? Yes, I actually very copied, compelling. I copy pasted it into into a playbook. I ran the playbook and just a bunch of red <laughs> red screen. Yes, but uh, may, maybe the idea is that he's uh, the AI is trying to push you to, to create your own uh, modules. No, it's trying to push me not to use Network Manager CLI, which is a smart thing to do either which, way. Obviously, I'm just going to say Lightspeed. Lightspeed. <laughs> Lightspeed. Yes, Lightspeed is the solution. Okay. Okay. Are you done? Yes. Uh, no, probably not, but... Uh... <laughs> okay, I'm going to kill you later. Um, so we reached a point in which we discussed what is it that you want to do, basically. So we are... Uh, the thesis defense is soon enough, then afterwards we're going to figure out the way for you to um, become an assistant. We already had that discussion. It's already in the works. Do you see some kind of a, let's say, topic or an area or specific projects, let's say, that you would like to work on in the future? In terms of general IT, I'm not talking about the, the classes here or education. Yes. Is there a technology that's interesting to you that's just like an itch that is waiting to be scratched? There's a, there, there are a few projects that I have in mind. Okay. One of them is some sort of a nice management tool for organizing your papers and references during are we talking about tech yes discussion that we had a couple of months ago yes that came from that yes okay i so over the past few months we put up i think it was two or three different papers and i also did my graduate master thesis and I was looking for a nice tool to manage my own references uh, that would automatically format them in a way I like and keep them in a nice place. And I don't know, just a simple uh, management tool for managing your references, right? And I never, never found one that had all the features that I wanted. So that's one thing. Uh, the other one is... A, it will be a client application for mobile devices for uh, what's it called? What's the um, the R uh, the R uh, application for uh, ebooks? Caliber? No, no, no. You have like sonar for uh, TV shows. You have radar for uh, movies. What's the what's the there, there's an R application for management of ebooks and the client i never found one it doesn't exist as far as i can tell mm -hmm. so i want to create that one uh there's different testing that i want to do hey i actually came back to networking i want to test a different features and performance of http3 i'd like to implement my own http3 in some sort of a lower uh, lower programming language, low, lower level. 
I mean, it's probably going to be Golang or something that already has a prepared mm -hmm. library for HTTP3. My, my goal is not to reinvent the wheel. It's just to get familiar with uh, the new HTTP standard and its implementations. Uh, the world needs the plugin for AI to be able to output tech. I think that this is this is what needs to be done. <laughs> okay, that's just a copyrighted crazy Yasmin idea. Just a regular one. Sure. Go with it. <laughs> we'll make it work. It's things like that. It, those three are in my to-do list for now. So we are we are we are slowly 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 uh, moving towards networking. As the SDN is. Uh, it's first is first it's going to be developer. And then we're gonna make a full circle back to SDN probably. No, but you you need to uh, uh, when you reappear as a networking guy, you need to be the developer for the networks. So you're right. going to be the one creating the complexity. Yeah, correct. So you're not going to be solving. You want to troll everybody around you. So you're Absolutely not going to solve do. the problems. You're going to create the problems and then uh, give other, uh, give the guys the tools to solve the problem. He's still pushing his agenda of talking about you know all of the complex things happening in life that are not explicable, and whatnot, and politics and whatnot. So he is basically giving you the overview of a solution without the problem methodology. Exactly. So be the butterfly. Stop with the HR metaphors. No, no, we've been the other way that moves the wings and then something happens on the other, other, other part of the planet. Yeah, in, in some singularity that is not yet explained completely. I really like, real. I, I like, I like coding. You know, I, I like having a simple a data problem that I can solve with a programming language. It's so refreshing. Uh, when you when you go back from all the different features for your clients and whatnot, it's a simple. The problem begins with take a set of numbers x, and it's just numbers. They don't represent anything. It's not a key performance index. It's not anything. It's just numbers. Dealing with numbers for some reason is really fun for me right now. Welcome it never to the used Matrix. to be. It never used to be fun for for me, but. For some reason, it is. So you heard it uh, first here. I have another idea. Okay, he's going to go become no, no, a no, math no, teacher. No, 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 nobody, nobody is ready for this idea. What we need is an AI aggregator. No, we don't. So we basically need a, we need a, a place where you can input a uh, prompt, and then let the, all the AIs uh, battle it out to uh, find yeah, a solution. we talked about that actually. If if that doesn't exist already, I'm really We're disappointed. Battle it out for a solution. Battle it out for the solution. Between so, the themselves. battle it out. Yes. Yeah. So I want to. I want the prompt that he uh, wants somebody to fight. He wants to have have AI Mexican <laughs> AI, soap. AI is talking to each it's other. AI Mexican soap. That's what it is. That's perfect. I it mean, is if it doesn't him. exist already, I'm kind of disappointed in my generation. But, <laughs> but, but to sure. make useless stuff. Yeah. But there's a lot to learn there, obviously. Or nothing. Or nothing. <laughs> yes, but he just wants you to create fun for him. Mm, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Yeah, it is that. <laughs> okay, so let's get this thing uh, wrapped up because I think that we did uh, we did a lot of brain picking uh, for one interview. Yeah, there's there is absolutely going to be a second one. 
Yes, we, we, it, it has to be. But, but what, what we need yeah, to do... Yeah, because he basically obliterated everything that I wanted to ask you. He constantly hogged the conversation with some other stuff, which was fun enough. It's what you do. You just don't prepare for these things. Because uh, having yes, uh, you do. having an interesting guest and talking to an interesting people, uh, person is not about having an agenda. It's Tell having... that to Lex Friedman, please. Oh. No, and no, it's not the wrong example. I think it is. It yeah. feels like it is. Yes. Why? Please stop with your well, feelings. Lex Friedman always feels like wrong example. <laughs> no. <laughs> He has the meta to his, his chaos. That's what I'm talking about. And that's something that's very rewarding to see. We don't. We just have chaos. <laughs> yes, but uh, I think that the idea of talking to people is trying to have a controlled chaos that uh, enables them to uh, express who they are. I don't like pre-prepared questions that are uh, written in stone. Or on iPads. So, Who uh, says that there are questions written on iPads? I'm, I'm just making excuses for what, what, I, what I did today. So, <laughs> He's good at that. So anyways, thank you. Thank you for joining us. Because this was, this was one of those things where I uh, started, just on a private note, I started this thing tired. Now I feel refreshed. Because the the talk was refreshing, uh, trying to talk to people who are interesting is refreshing for me. And this is the this is the thing that I wanted to say. It's just simply uh, talking to you and Vedran at the same time uh, actually did make it feel like it is basically it's uh, almost uh, midnight uh, local time. And this is what makes interesting conversation interesting when you are able to talk uh, into the night and not feel uh, tired. So thank you for this. Thank you for having me. There's no, one more. Have, have to have you again. There's one more story that I want to share. <laughs> oh, really? With, with the uh, audience, the entire world, I guess. Oh, Lord. I, I, I told this story at least once before. <laughs> okay. But I do want to make this like a final um, storytelling for this because it really is important to me. It's a story about how I ended up in Algebra. Oh crap, yeah, okay, go ahead. The first time I heard about Algebra was actually in first year of high school. Okay. One of my friends' brother enrolled in, uh, in our, I guess it's program, yeah. Programming engineering? Okay. Program engineering uh, course. Uh, he's, by the way, an assistant right now, I think, in okay. the same. Okay. And I, like, I was first year of high school. I wasn't thinking about college yet. So it's just, oh, what it's like. It's a private college. Yeah, yeah, private college, this and that. As private Free college, diploma, blah, blah. As private colleges user, usually are frowned upon in Croatia, right? Yeah. So I, I took the Not same. Anymore. Not Still. anymore, I guess. Years go by. It's I'm now fourth year of college, no, and high school. Fourth year of uh, high school, sorry. And I see, uh, I guess it's a pamphlet that was on on the desk in in my classroom for the Ninja Academy. Oh, digital ninjas, yeah. Digital Ninja that. Academy. Uh, it was the winter one. 
I'm just going to interrupt you and tell you that I like that you're calling promotional materials pamphlets. That's fine. Is it not? It, it, that, that one was. I mean, it was a pamphlet. Okay. And <laughs> I remember seeing it was ethical hacking and programming uh, were the two courses, I guess. Yeah, short courses. Short courses. It was a two-day course, both mm -hmm. of them. Two-day course uh, during the winter. During the winter. So the winter academy. Yes. So the winter the, break. Not yeah. the winter academy, yes. And there were two other. I think it was uh, digital design and marketing related, both. Both completely uninteresting to you. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I enrolled in both uh, ethical hacking and programming. Now, the thing is, all of those courses uh, actually took place at the same time. Okay. Right? Uh, in our old campus, but in the same time. Luckily enough, I managed to get into programming in the second part of the week and ethical hacking in the first part of the week. So I was able to enroll in both, which was super cool, right? Winter break, I get to spend some time here. It was it was fun. Instead of shoveling snow. Instead of shoveling snow, snow at Because home. where you live, there's snow. The, usually. There usually is snow. And I remember arriving the first day and it was Professor uh, Papic, Silvio. Mm -hmm. He greeted us with hello colleagues. The first time I heard that word, mm -hmm. like a colleague. I'm not a student anymore. I'm a colleague now. It felt yeah. felt so important right <laughs> right away, right? He's like, okay, how do you feel? How is everyone? He says, I'm all tired. I, I was up playing StarCraft uh, like to middle of the night. I'm like, well, what is this? I've, I've never had <laughs> that type of experience with a professor or a teacher. Yeah. Like what? StarCraft professors? No, they don't do that. They just yes, look they angry all day and show their what? No. Okay. Day goes by. I got introduced with this networking stuff, which was, I was blown away. I had no idea how it's many. It's a good thing that you didn't realize that he's also a professional uh, pilot. I. Uh, <laughs> Come on, I'm, let the guy talk. I'm not sure if he mentioned it. Okay. Uh, I don't think he did. No, no, no. He does mention it. He Go might. On. Doesn't matter right yes. now. Okay. What does matter is that he introduced us in networking. I was completely blown away. I had no idea about this entire world of networking that was behind my router, right? When I Google something and it was fun for the first day. The second day, it was uh, Professor Moric. Mm -hmm. It was more of a security thing, right? That was also fun, but I, I don't remember anything like specific from that day. Third day, which was the first day of programming, right? And we actually did uh, Arduino. We played mm -hmm. with Arduinos. As I worked with Arduino for my final thesis in high school, I was already familiar with basically everything we did, but it was still fun, right? I had a professor that I could ask some things that he actually had normal he knew, answer. He knew. He normal knew answer to. He, he knew what he was talking about, right? I mean, it is what it is, a college professor. And that was, the, the first day completely flew by. The thing that actually is like written deep in my mind and will forever remain there is the last lecture. It was uh, Professor Jambic. Mm -hmm. Programming. And he got in the classroom. 
how is everyone da 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 and he said this we're just gonna have a quick lecture that i give to my students on the fourth year of our college so the first year of graduate mm -hmm. studies i'm like oh yeah i'm i was like 18 at the moment uh, oh yeah i'm 18 listening to some 22 year old uh like a, a lecture, level lecture okay level lecture like so cool so awesome and then he starts explaining how usually a blue wire is for the negative pole and the red wire is the positive pole I'm like what no 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 this isn't fourth year of college this is like seventh of primary school this is what are we doing here and he goes around like different types of electromotors stuff like that and in my ignorant mind I couldn't understand that around me are people that didn't listen to this, right? I come from a technical background. I listened to this stuff for four years. Of course, I knew it. Around me were people that studied languages mm -hmm. for four years. They had nothing to do with electricity or uh, thermodynamics wires. or wires or electric motors or anything around of, those sort, of that sort. Okay. And I actually interrupted him. I was so ignorant. I actually held up my hand and I interrupted him. Like, why are you really doing this in college? He's like, what? Are you actually explaining to people in the fourth year of college that the red wire is usually the positive uh, pole and the blue one is the negative? Well, yeah, I mean, yes and no. I mean, we just mentioned this. Obviously, these people know it, but it's just to make the, the lecture like sort of whole, right? To to wrap up a single a single topic from from start to the from, from the beginning to the to the end. I'm like, okay, but how does that make any sense? Well, it does because we mention uh, wires and batteries and electric motors now, and in like 35 minutes, we're already developing a library for Arduino that will actually control uh, control this motor. It will power up like a simple device and stuff like that. I'm like, okay, but why do you go so fast then? Well, it's not fast. How is it not fast? Now you're talking about different colored wires. And in 30 minutes, we're already in deep down in C++ mm -hmm. and developing like libraries for controlling electric motors. And he said the one simple greatest piece of wisdom ever. He said, look, no one cares if you can name four different types of electric motors as long as you know how to control one of them. That completely blew my mind. Mm -hmm. I, I had an epiphany at the moment and I recalled everything I learned in high school. It was just different types of stuff, different, different types. Approach. It was just like uh, uh, belts, different types of materials, different types of pressure, different types. I had no practical knowledge of anything mm -hmm. i didn't do know how to do anything and he said as long as you know how to work with at least one of them the rest absolutely doesn't matter that's I, i'm pretty sure that was the moment i i decided that i wanted to be here and it's been honestly it's been the same high that the the same feeling ever since yes great story great story because it it mm... Uh, knowing all those people that you mentioned, it makes sense. 
because all of them are great uh, educators. Uh, all the professors mentioned are great educators. I'm, I was expecting another name. I'm not going to mention him because I know that we have a couple of other guys who would also, also do the things uh, differently, also interesting. But having heard all of this, the thing is that Okay, Vedran can me can uh, can try to uh, tell if I'm wrong, but I don't know of too many people who are actual lecturers here who are not interesting on that that level. We have a pretty much in every part of what we do, we have lectures that are interesting. We don't, we are not a nice. <laughs> We are not an environment that uh, is trying to culture people who are, uh, you, would say, you would probably say, old-fashioned. So every lecturer here is different in their own way. And this is the thing that I like about algebra. Because I know that everybody around me is... I'm trying to uh, find a word that is going to be nice. So I'm going to just say uh, different than what I would expect. He needs to be special in what he does. He needs to understand what he does, but he also needs to be special in the way that he's trying to deliver this. So I'm not, I'm not uh, surprised. I like your story, but I'm not surprised because I know that all of the people that I know here are capable of doing this. So motivating people, because this is the motivation thing. It is. Uh, he, he does that. He usually, he usually creates problems for me because I need to do the lectures. He's uh, the, the, the exercises. <laughs> he's doing the lectures. And the lectures touch uh, or some tangent touched what, whatever needs to be said. And then the rest is just he's, uh, him ranting about something else. And then on the exercises, I need to do the entire lecture and then the exercise. But Been there. this also makes it interesting. Yeah, I've done a lot of that. But that's what makes you guys, you know, follow but what I'm saying. Uh, most of the time the tangents were made sense yeah. right we we talked about like data center stuff a lot of times we didn't have a single data center related course mm -hmm. in our six year into the five years i i was here but we we talked about like data center level networking like vxlans and stuff like mm -hmm. that we talked about uh data center level storage solutions and it, it all after a few years of these interruptions, we'll call them tangents. Tangents. It all starts making sense, and you get the, a greater picture and an incredibly good understanding of how something works that you've never actually seen. Right? I've never been. Okay, I've been in a data center, but I've never administered a data center. Right? A physical location with these men, this much a physical storage, physical servers, and whatnot. But I, I can sort of understand how they work. But the idea of the whole education is to create a tool set for you. Yeah. It's not to teach you how to use all the different tools in all different ways, but just to create a tool set and say, okay, these are the tools that you're going to be using. And now go on and use, use them uh, in which way, where, where you have to. Because you, 
there is no way for us to uh, cover all the different. There uh, is, but it's pointless. No, but we cannot c cover all the user scenarios. No, because if you wanted to, uh, if you wanted to be completely uh, honest, uh, the idea of having one of our students uh, designing data centers for Google uh, would wouldn't be on my scorecard uh, for the company Lotto. I wouldn't say that uh, our student is going to become an engineer that is going to design data centers up to 4 million euros per data center and that he's going to do 50 projects uh, like this every year. And this is happening right now. So this is not something that we expect. It can happen. It obviously did happen. We are extremely happy about this. But we cannot do all the uh, usage cases that you are going to be doing uh, after you finish the degree and we need to be prepared for this some of the some of the guys who are going to finish here are going to be doing some i, I wouldn't quite call it boring but medium level medium level administrative uh, tasks in a bank or some other un, uh, completely uninspired uh, environment because they're going to be happy with it somebody has to be a, an, an accountant and those people are also happy. Some people are happy with numbers, happy to be an accountant and so on. But also some people are happy with jumping out of the completely functioning planes and being happy with this. So we need to create a tool set for both of those guys. We need to um, enable them to do what they want to do in such a way that they are able to do it. Yeah. And this is the idea of what we are doing. Yeah, the idea of uh, the tangents and many of those and the metaphors and everything else and actually i've spelled it out for you guys many times over is that our role is metaphorically speaking again to get you to the door i'm going to show you how the floor looks like i'm going to show you how the door looks what the do doors are made of i'm going to show you the lock i'm going to show you the handle you're the one who has to pull it if you don't i don't care that's up to you because that's that comes from uh, the standpoint of being aware of what awaits for you in the future business environment you'll have to be self-centered enough to be self-driven enough to learn stuff without somebody having to whip you all the time that's the nature of the IT business but it's also related to much more pure part of every single person who is talented enough to understand that he or she has responsibilities which you do have uh, talents and then uh, along those lines because of the stuff that you did and what you've become you have also responsibilities that's also Jungian theory people who are talented don't have the rights or whatever the brash brashing bragging rights what and now you have the responsibility to extend your the stuff that you you uh, you you were thought or that you learned along the way, to extend that as much as possible for yourself and then to pass it on to the others. That's what we do, and we have uh, some level of knowledge of the stuff that you guys need to know. We can push you in the right directions depending on your. Uh, at the end of the day, uh, it it depends on the stuff that you want to as well. I didn't necessarily care what you wanted when we met on the second year of college because I knew we were completely lost. It was written in your face, you know, and I didn't need a crystal ball for that because it was very plain. You don't need to have a degree in something or NLP to understand those things. After you've spent enough time in the classroom as we did, it's clear as day to see that. And uh, with years of experience of doing this, as all of us did, 
Mr. Jambic and uh, Moric and uh, Papic and both of us and, and many others, you gain the ability not only to deliver the lecture and to deliver the message and to talk about technology and to tell the story of why that's important. You also get to deliver it in a sense of being, at, at least that's what I like doing. It's a 99% thing with three dots at the end and you need to work out the, the, the rest of the 1%, which is the hardest thing ever in everything that you do. And as long as somebody is self-conscious enough about the fact that that's what I do, I do it literally on purpose always. As long as somebody has interest to learn that last 1%, that person is going to be top-notch at the stuff in IT that he or she does. No question. That's why we have his friend in Google. That's why we have loads of students in Amazon and you know all of the other big companies all over the world. And that's where that's... Up, uh, that's, that's, it's not the only reason, of course, it's a part of the reason because you have to be somebody and do all of the things that you guys did to become that, of course. And we're just the, a part of the story. Uh, we are there for the transportation. And this is the reason why- we are, uh, we are your, not necessarily magic carpet ride because that's way too generous. We are more of a bumpy, you know, square type of wheels ride, but we are there for you to be transported to the door which you need to open for yourself. That's what, what we do. And what I do usually is to take his metaphor. When he creates the door, he creates the floor, he creates the, uh, the, the lock, the, the, handle, lock, the handle and everything else. He and gives you the pick. No, I do the Waldi Coyote thing uh, with the Roadrunner and just uh, paint a big tunnel and see who is going to uh, hit the door without uh, opening it. Because this is what we need to understand. We need to, uh, to understand who is going to understand what the door actually is and what is the image that is on the door. And this is the probably the hardest part. Because mm -hmm. you have to see people running in the door head first without opening it. And then you're going to see a few of them opening the door correctly. And this is why we created an environment in which the private college stopped being something that you go to pay for the diploma and you started earning your diploma in. And this is what you do here. Statistics and points out to the fact that our passing rate is lower than the comparable much older with much more tradition technical colleges in the country, which means that the good old, you know, story about buying a diploma, at least here, at least in our area of expertise, and I know by extension what happens in other areas of our business that just doesn't happen and it's, it's it's not that we are just it's impossible to pass year number one with that concept in mind yep. that's exactly why why year number one in college exists i still remember a few colleagues that never really made it out of year one yes i know i wonder why a lot of them actually yes a lot of them never made it out of semester one Unfortunately, I know a couple of your colleagues that never made it out of year number one, and I keep seeing them on year number one. And this is one of those kind of things. And keep seeing them and keep seeing them like echoes of what was supposed to be their lives, but are not. I never understood that. Uh, I always tell That's the, because you were lucky. I always tell, tell the people uh, one thing. I want to see you. Uh, I don't want to see you uh, on the same thing uh, ever again. I want to see you once on every course, and I don't want to see you ever again. We can 
hang out outside of the college. Uh, we can hang out uh, outside of the course and so on. But I don't want to see you on the same course ever again. I want to see you once. I need you to finish and just be done with it. Just go and be on your way. And uh, seeing people who fail and try again and try again and try again, sometimes points to a person who is going to be able to finish it. Mm -hmm. But also sometimes it points to a person who is unable to finish it because he has some different issues that he needs to work, uh, work out. And this is something that is my worst regret. I don't, uh, he knows this. I have a soft spot for people who are unable to finish because I cannot help them. There are some people who are beyond help. There are two things in that sentence that are uh, describable by just disseminating into two different situations. There's a situation of people not being able to do something while terribly wanting to do something. So they have the drive, they just either don't have the capacity or they don't have it yet, which is also possible. It's just, you know, the, the passage of time introduces some things in our lives without us not noticing. And yet there are other types of people, people uh, who cannot be helped, you know. Whatever you do is just not going to uh, create any kind of desirable outcome. Again, in, along the lines of Jungian theory, there are people who just don't want to be saved. Yeah. And it's, it's very difficult to live with that knowledge from our side of the story because your natural instinct as a professor is always to want to help your student. But there are people who just don't know, want, ask for, or even appear enough so that you notice. And there's a lot of different levels in between, I'm afraid. People are complex beings. And the, the, the second part of that story is the fact that you guys are just incapable of communicating normally. You know, young people are often, oftentimes, um, how should I put this? Let's say underdeveloped in the sense of uh, um, conveying their thoughts properly and their problems and whatever. I had a student, you know, you know him, some four or five years ago who paid for our tuition and therefore didn't have the money to buy food. What is the natural response of knowing that? There's only one. I tell him, here's the money, go to the store, buy yourself the best possible sandwich that you can have and then bring some extras. That's the normal response, you know. But that guy is in a position that he's in for a rational reason which can be actually solved, you know? And you can solve those problems relatively easily. And there are programs that we can go through with those types of situations. But if somebody just doesn't go, uh, doesn't come to the college, doesn't attend lectures, doesn't do lab work, just appears on the exams, fails constantly, whatever, what the hell can you do with that person? Because you cannot establish any kind of repartee with that person, therefore, you cannot know what that person has as a problem, potentially, therefore, you cannot help them. And it's very difficult to let that go. During my peak teenager crazy years, uh, I was, I think I was finishing my second year of high school. And I had an A. I had, I actually had an A. And I got home, I wanted to brag to my parents. And my dad told me that there's no failing classes in our family. You fail a class on Friday, you, you're getting your work permit on Monday. Mm -hmm. I Obviously, I hated him for that <laughs> back then, but I, I realize it's now that excellent I, sports metaphor. I'm, I'm actually super grateful for that right now because you need to, like someone needs to 
lower you when you're full of yourself you need to you need someone like that you oh you always need somebody like that in your life yes yeah. but for uh, you that was us partially yeah i have a person like that in my life as well everybody needs to have that person yeah at least one specifically they need to have that person who has only their best interest in mind that's when it works perfectly. When you know that it's not ego, jealousy, you know, all of the other things. When you just know that somebody is giving you smack because you freaking had it coming. And he doesn't care about it, but yes. at the same time, he cares about it. Yes. Perfect <laughs> mixture. Of so let's finish this thing off because we are running uh, deeply into uh, the second hour. You're not. Okay. Uh... <laughs> Will you do the uh, outro? No, you will. Okay, so uh, once again, <laughs> thank you. We did this 20 minutes, 20 odd minutes ago. <laughs> he started it. I loved hearing his no, story. No, but uh, the thing is that we are going to continue right now because the thing is that uh, we started on a thing that should be another episode. Yeah. And the thing is that if you didn't notice that suddenly he became the interviewer. Yes. And you started answering questions. Yes, exactly what I wanted to happen. Uh, I was expecting this to happen much later, but yes, okay, I'm fine with this. We are going to do this uh, reverse psychology thing. Uh, no, we reverse, are, reverse interview thing. Yes, and the other thing is uh, we are going to have another guest uh, next time that we are going to be here. So uh, until then, uh, I'm Yasmin, he's Vedran. He's been Mate and he, still is. He still is Mate. And, and uh, we haven't introduced him uh, up until now. That's good. He's already internet. <laughs> he's already internet famous, man. He's I think I think we should we shouldn't put his name anywhere on the YouTube. Oh, S obfuscate. Yes, obfuscate him because uh, he's going to be the target of all the inter <laughs> interviewees and the uh, HRs. They're going to just watch this thing and see uh, how his mind takes. This so is what security through obscurity is about. Base sixty four encode my name into into no, the no, title. No, 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 no. To see who works it out. J just a guy. <laughs> we interviewed a guy. The guy. <laughs> we, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, like a title of the episode. We interviewed our student guy. A student guy, yes. <laughs> one of the three. It's awesome. One of the three. Yeah, the first of three. So, you know, every, Borg names or whatnot. So, uh, thank you for being with us. I'm going to finish with talking directly to the camera, ignoring yeah. the everybody else here. Thank you for being with us. See you next time. Bye.